0: back to Happy Porch Radio, the podcast for ambitious agency leaders. This season is all about Umbraco, the friendly CMS. Join your host, Barry O'Kane, as he talks to web agency leaders and Umbraco experts about the challenges and opportunities that a specific technology like Umbraco brings to our
1: agencies. Welcome back to Happy Porch Radio. This is episode 12 of season 2, which, as you know, is all about Umbraco. In this episode, we hear from two Umbraco developers. First up is Blake Clark, who is an Umbraco developer based in Denver. Blake originally came to Umbraco from a design background, but moved to code as she likes it better. We talk about this transition, the differences between Umbraco version 4 and 7, and getting involved in local meetups and then we dive deep into the process and the challenges of supporting, upgrading, and maintaining Umbraco sites. As many of you know, that last topic is one that I love to talk about. So let's meet Blake.
2: My name's Blake Clerk, and I work with Umbraco. I'm a front end developer for DiscoverTech. And I've worked with Umbraco since 2012, and I've done a lot of builds. With Umbraco since about version four, five, four, seven is when I got started with it, and we've done all sorts of builds from just regular marketing sites to custom portals that integrate with members, and it's really versatile. So we've used it for a lot of things. <laughs>
1: So you've you've been working with Umbraco for a really long time. Tell me a little bit about how the platform has changed since you started working with it in for whatever it was, 4.7.
2: It definitely has. It's so, so much nicer and easier to use now for sure, especially with 7 and the Bell redesign of the back office. It's so much easier. And then, I mean, you used to, back in the day, you used to have to... Actually, create media items one by one, and actually, like right-click, create, do your media. It was it'd take forever to upload photo galleries or anything like that. It was kind of like really manual, and now it's like, okay, yeah, you can actually drag and drop things. Granted, that was in like four eleven, I think they added that, but that was like a huge deal, <laughs> super time saver. So they've, I mean, they've added a lot of improvements just from speed and functionality and working on uh, tablets too. It's it's really nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. So let's talk a little bit about w- why you started working with Embraco. Was it something that you had worked with yourself or was it something introduced with the agency? Where did it start?
2: Um, it was actually the company who made the decision to work with Umbraco. They probably started using it a few years before I even got there. I actually started as a designer i didn't know what .NET was i had never heard of Embraco. so it was really new to me and just kind of someone showed me how to use it and kind of went from there
1: <laughs> i guess two questions one do you know why the company by the agency made that decision and secondly what was it like as picking it up as a complete you're know, coming to it completely fresh
2: i think the main reason they went with it is because it's free <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's probably a huge deal for some companies too especially using it a lot and it was open source so they liked that it was pretty easy to integrate with and extend coming into it new no, it was kind of a pretty big question mark because I was just like how does all of this work together like when once you get the concept of the doc types it's A lot easier to figure out but just coming at it not knowing anything really is like okay there's a there's a few steps to this to figure this out but as soon as you figure that out and set up your dog types you're like golden and then I was kind of a process learning razor to write and actually get data out of it but I mean just over the years you pick it up it was it was kind of the first step was a little intimidating for sure
1: Yeah, particularly if you're coming at it from as a with a design background, you said that's what you were doing at the time.
2: Yeah, I started started as a design, and then I always end up moving towards code. <laughs> I like that better.
1: <laughs> what were or can you? Ta- I don't know if you've any stories or examples or thoughts about how if that was an easy transition for the agency and the experience for the clients, and how it compares to experiences you've had with other CMS platforms.
2: I don't know necessarily how it was for the company transition because I was I just came in and they were already using it. But as far as like training clients on how to use the Embraco CMS, it's like a super smooth process. There's I mean, sometimes they'll still come back and they want you to update their stuff anyways just because clients don't really wanna do it themselves. (laughs) But I went through the training, it's always the feedback I always get with clients is like, it's really straightforward, pretty easy to use. Like it, I mean, there's hardly, sometimes you'll get like back when we were using version four, you sometimes get calls and like auto folders back in the day, they click on the wrong thing. Like I can't make anything. And it's like, oh, you gotta click on the news page. So we don't have that issue anymore. Cause now you have the list view and you can set up news differently, but usually it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> it's nice.
1: And do have you do you work with other CMS tools? Do have you got any comparisons?
2: I've worked with Kentico. We've done a couple of Kentico projects, and we just updated. We update some WordPress sites, like Drupal. But I've never had to actually train the clients on <laughs> like the Drupal and WordPress stuff because I would just be like, uh, <laughs> here you go, click around and figure that out. I don't feel like it's as straightforward as Brocko. But using Kentico, it's it, that's kind of similar. Although it's it has its uses because it's a way bigger platform and there's just so much stuff in it. So it's kind of like there's a lot of things there and you don't necessarily need all of it there. Whereas in Brocko's, like you customize it to only show what you need, and it's really straightforward. So Braco is usually a lot easier, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that, that makes sense. Just to look at the other side of the coin, like the negatives or the problems, what, what are the things you don't like about the platform or the things that clients or issues that come up most often?
2: I mean, that one question that we get back when we used auto folders and version 4 for news was like the only thing I really remember clients would call in a couple times and ask. But we don't have that issue anymore. 7, just how it's laid out and you have the list view, so that got rid of that. And we didn't don't use auto-folders to organize blogs like that anymore. I'm trying to think of something I don't like about it. (laughs) I don't know, I guess I'm really biased. (laughs) Like, I really like it. I'm sure there's something that'll come up at some point, and be like, oh man, I wish they did this better, but yeah, I can't think of anything offhand.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. And I want to jump around a little bit, but uh, the other thing, because you're based in, is it Florida, Jacksonville?
2: I'm actually in Denver, but the company is in Florida.
1: So, Umbraco obviously has a larger European base and community base and user base than it does in North America. Is that something that impacts you at all, or are you that you're aware of?
2: The only thing I can really think of from like an impact standpoint is maybe like trying to find a job specifically using Umbraco because it's not as popular over here, but. I don't really see it hindering anything else, because, I mean, the community is still growing. We actually have, like, a Denver and Braco meetup group that we're kind of doing and getting getting going a little bit more this year and getting some meetups and, like, local people together. And, I mean, it's definitely a lot of fun. It, I mean, I could always have more people. I think that's one of the things is, like, growing the community and then getting more women involved, too. So it's a process, but... I don't think it really hinders too much.
1: That was going to be my next question, actually. If there was other folks using braco or there was a meetup or something, is that something that you actually helped you know, helped to make happen?
2: I tried. Jason, I'm not going to take full credit for it. Jason set set it up originally, and then it just kind of came up for a new one time, and meetup like auto sends out a message like, hey, the meetup's going to close if we don't have a member because or a person step up to organize it, and so I just went ahead and renewed the subscription. And so we both kind of co-organize it now. And there's actually a lot more people here in Denver that get together to do it. I tried to do it in Jacksonville, there wasn't really a whole a whole lot of people that, did. I think there was like maybe three or four companies in Jacksonville that, that I knew of that used it. So there wasn't a bunch of people there, but the tech industry itself in Denver, there's a lot more people. So we get some people to come hang out, and that's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important, the meetup stuff, to you know, sort of, as you said, fun, but also just the learning process and connecting and expanding your own knowledge and skills. I think that's a really important part of the community, which is why I asked about you know, if that has an impact in areas where it's great to hear that there's a, a group in Denver, actually. Yeah,
2: it's definitely nice. It's, it's cool because you get people who use it, and you get to see how they use it or you get some validation when you talk about ideas and they have similar ideas of how to set up things. So it's like, okay, good. <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing this right.
1: <laughs> so do you mind if I just talk a little bit about some of the pro- things, I guess, work process? Do you work? Is there a team? How do they, how do the Umbraco bills normally happen?
2: For us, it's actually, I kind of do most of all of them. I'm kind of the main Umbraco person there. Uh, we have some other people who are who got certified in the fundamentals, and then we have developers who will kind of take over if there's like database integration and stuff, but usually the designers will give me the designs, I'll build out the HTML, CSS, and do the Umbraco architecture, and set up all the dog types, and then write the, the views, and the razor, and some of the c to get everything working for, usually basic marketing sites I just crank out by myself so there's more technical stuff i get smarter people involved
1: (laughs) so is that kind of how or do you know are you aware of how the decision is made to use umbraco versus some of the others is it based on you know the availability and the skills that you have or is it based on the client requiring you know what do you know how the decision is made let's use umbraco for this one versus some other tool
2: Yeah, I think they really go by um, what the client's needs are. So if they needed e-commerce or they needed a bigger platform like Kentico or maybe not commerce, we use that sometimes. It kind of depends on what they need. I mean, we actually do get a lot of custom development for mobile applications and web applications, so they just build completely custom without a CMS because it's the Umbraco just isn't necessarily geared for that kind of thing. And it... It's not a solution for everything, but we use it a lot.
1: Cool. And just lastly, the other topic you mentioned there was upgrading and sort of dealing with ongoing stuff. Is that also part of the work you do, maintaining and supporting sites?
2: Some people have, like, the maintenance plan, and we keep some of the higher priority stuff pretty updated and follow those security patches and everything like that. And so I just kind of get tasked with following Umbraco and the updates and Hey, should we upgrade? What version should we use? So it's kind of part of everything to keep an eye on all that stuff, too.
1: Yeah, so is that a big ask on your time? To not just actually doing the work, but keeping an eye and to trying to decide when and what to update?
2: That takes some time. There's they give, They're give nice. They give us like some research time to go in and look, in, look into that kind of stuff, because it is part of the job. I probably do spend more time outside of work doing that stuff on my own time, just checking it out and being involved in the community just because I want to learn more about it anyways. So it always helps to keep up to date.
1: <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how you do that, like the process you do. So is it simply a case of the somebody at the agency or the client makes the decision, okay, it's time to update, or is there a plan around it, or is it something that you drive saying, hey, there's a new version we need to update?
2: Yeah, it's usually more of a case if I kind of recommend it. Because following it, you'll see like the issues that are fixed, like the new releases, like the 301 redirects that are in 75. There's yeah, there's a client that would actually really benefit from that and having worked on that project. I know they need that, so I'm like, hey, you guys probably be helpful to upgrade to this, you'll get this functionality. So there's things like that. It's really helpful. But I think it just comes from I follow. Those updates, and then I've also worked on the projects, so I kind of know what they're looking for, so I can make those recommendations. But I don't, because the clients don't follow it, so they don't know. Like <laughs> whatever.
1: <laughs> and so, do you know? Is that something? So yeah, you you said hey, we need to we should probably upgrade this site because here's the reasons. Is it a case of they just say yeah, go ahead and do it, or is there a, as you said there was a maintenance plan? Like a, how does it work in the business and commercial side of that process?
2: Some clients have a maintenance plan. Some will just quote out how long it would probably take to update it, and then if they approve the quote, we'll go ahead and get that done. And. Usually it's like a, it doesn't normally take that long to upgrade it. So it's like, we'll do a code freeze for like a day and get it all done. And then get push it back out there, check, make sure everything's working. And then they can go about their way.
1: Very cool. And do you ever get pushback in that? Like the clients or somebody in the team saying, you know, we can't, or we that upgrade can't happen. And you're like, all right, this really needs to happen for this technical reason.
2: <laughs> Nobody's pushed back yet. <laughs> Maybe, I don't, I don't. I don't really know, because I'm kind of the only one who, who's following it and keeping up with it, so there's usually not a whole ton of pushback. It's more of a, if it breaks, you better fix it. <laughs> so test it really well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was kind of, that's kind of a good segue to my next question. What about the more reactive kind of support maintenance, like change requests or like issues, um, problems? And that kind of stuff, is that something that you also do?
2: We get like inherited sites that someone else built in Umbraco that we'll have to make updates to as well. So there's stuff like that that'll come through. Usually there's a lot of content changes. Sometimes there's like quirky issues with overflowing text or the viewport's really large and you get the client adds 5 million things to your navigation and it wasn't really meant to be that way. (laughs) So there's some stuff that maybe quirky with things that we inherit. We kind of try to anticipate for that kind of stuff anyways when we do the builds. So that kind of stuff will bring down their live site into a development environment, make some updates, and then if it's approved in the staging, we'll go ahead and push those changes to fix that kind of stuff for them. I think more often than not, we just get a lot of content updates, add this, can you add an SEO functionality here or just, Things like that,
1: yeah. And and the last piece of that jigsaw. What about the bigger sort of changes, redesigns, or you know, big functionality changes or anything? Do you know how that works with it? Do you get a lot of that work? Do you know how where it comes from? Is it driven by the agency saying, "Hey, this is a great idea," or does the client come back and say it's time for a redesign?
2: Yeah, I think it's a mix of both. There's sometimes where the client will be like, "Hey, I really like my design, but could I benefit from the updates of getting a new version where we have a quite a few of those come through. Some people are like, I really like the design, my site's outdated though, but I want responsive. So there's times where we'll go in and we'll be like, you're designed kinda and your code's a little old. (laughs) It might be kind of a nightmare to make responsive, but we can offer building a mobile site for you just right. So what we do for something like that is install 51 degrees and then have a different view that renders and shows the content for more of the mobile side. So they kind of get like a scaled down version of the site, meant for mobile. Then there's other times where it's like, well, they want to keep all their stuff, but they want to update it, but it's really old. And it's like, well, it, they just benefit from us completely rebuilding it. So based on like what they want, what their needs are is kind of, we'll be like, okay, well, we could upgrade it. If it's like a closed version, there's not a whole bunch of breaking changes. Or if it's like a huge version gap, like a 4.7 to version 7, we've had some of those and it's like they would get so much more benefit out of just rebuilding it within a better structure and it'd just be easier to use all around. So it'll be times where we're just like, we'll just rebuild the whole thing.
1: <laughs> so there's so much going on there with what you're describing. And if you're the main load carrier for Umbraco... <laughs> How do you fit it all in? Do you have scheduling problems or are you just, you know, how do you manage the workload?
2: There's not really too many scheduling problems. It's more of a, if they they come in and they are like, hey, we need this. How long will it take? And I just let them know how long it takes and our project managers figure out the scheduling problems. <laughs> I'm like, you just tell me what to do. I'll get it done. <laughs>
1: huge thanks again to Blake for taking the time to join me in the show. Blake works for Discover Tech, an agency based out of Florida, and you can connect with Blake via her personal site, helloblake.com. We'll link to both the agency and to Blake's site in the show notes on happyporchradio.com. Next, we meet Mike, who is senior web developer at an agency called the Alchemedia Project based in Missouri. Mike and I talk about why he loves Umbraco, the positives and the challenges of working with Umbraco, and he shares the story of the Alchemedia Project, the, the agency. We also talk about how the agency does ongoing support, upgrades and maintenance, and all of which I find fascinating to hear a different perspective on. So let's meet Mike.
0: Yeah, my name is Mike Bates, and I'm the senior web developer at a agency called the Alchemedia Project. And we are based in Springfield, Missouri. We have a pretty heavy focus on the food service industry, and we're pretty much a traditional advertising agency with a, you know, we have a heavy digital presence. So I am part of a small development crew over there. And we started using Umbraco uh, about five years ago. And it's, pretty much replaced many other CMS that we've played around with and, and really has become our tool of choice when when building a content uh, site that's powered by a content management system. Cool,
1: and I think that's a great place to start to talk about. So what first brought you or the agency to Umbraco?
0: Yeah, so one of the first content management systems we were using was .NET Nuke. And you'll notice kind of a theme going on here of, of .NET-centric CMSs. That's kind of where the development first started, is doing custom uh, NET applications, both in VB and C Sharp. And there are certain sites, obviously, that that warrant the need of fully custom development work. But then there's kind of the the lower end and kind of middle tier websites that using a content management system is absolutely perfect for. And there were plenty of there's a lot of pain felt in using. Uh, other ones like .NET Nuke, and before reaching Umbraco, we kind of reached for some of the other more popular content management systems like WordPress and even kind of dipped our toes a little bit into Drupal, and uh, I have a PHP background myself, and so I'll I'll take the the blame for bringing that influence in (laughs) just because I had done a lot of work with WordPress and, and it's too easy to throw one of those up. And and just get rolling with it. But after a couple of years of maintaining any sort of WordPress site, you can start to feel that pain uh, in in a lot of ways. Not to say that WordPress is a terrible platform by any means, but it it is it is easy to not get it right, and just PHP itself isn't the most robust language and it's certainly getting a lot better but at the time we had happened across Umbraco we really wanted a .NET CMS since most of our developers in the shop that was their forte and we stumbled across Umbraco and thought we'd give it a shot there were a couple other ones out there and and we really weren't happy with them and Umbraco seemed to really be the CMS that was hitting the sweet spot all the way around. They were forward-thinking, so everything was was very modern-feeling. And at, at that specific time, they were even looking, you know, they were going to be jumping to MVC. That was a huge thing for us. We know how that ultimately panned out, and then yeah, we all know that story. Uh, but anyways, so, we, we jumped into Embraco, and uh, everything felt good. It was just a natural fit. Everything, it, it really stayed out of your way. As far as development is concerned, and really lets you have all the flexibility, yet still all the power you needed to build a CMS. So we were we were lucky to have stumbled across it, and everything felt good, and we just stuck with it, and and that's what we've been doing ever since for our
1: CMS needs. So. Just on the development side of that, really quickly, without going in too much detail. So you've kind of seen about five years, so you must have been working with one of the earlier versions. And what's your experience been like over the years as Umbraco, the platform has changed and as the sort of community has grown? and And, you know, over the last five years, it feels like quite a lot has changed with Umbraco. Has that impacted you and the agency?
0: Not in any negative way at all. It's, like I said, one of my favorite things about Umbraco is how forward thinking they are. That's not a thing that you usually find with platforms on the .NET framework. It stays pretty stale a lot of times. And and so it has impacted us in the sense that we've been able to put trust that they're going to keep moving forward as we continue to move forward with our platforms. So it's definitely impacted us by being able to trust that we're going to be able to keep using it. And that, you've used that phrase a couple of times forward thinking, have you got
1: uh, like an example of what you mean when you say forward thinking?
0: Yeah, uh, totally. So <laughs> I mentioned a ways back when they were one of the first .NET content management systems that, that were going to make the the leap to being MVC, right? So the .NET MVC framework came out and, and most everything was using web forms and web forms only. And Umbraco was one of the only ones out there making that leap. They, <laughs> they eventually pulled back on that. Not that I'm going to pretend to know the the ins and outs of why the decision was made, but at least the way I perceived it was they pulled back on on being super aggressive about it in order to roll it out properly. So they did pull back, and then the next release that that came out uh, kind of had bits and pieces of that in there, and they really rolled it out in a thoughtful manner. And then the you know the next release after that was pretty much full on MVC. Uh, so that alone was was one of the first things that I loved, and then when the next major release where the back office really transformed entirely everything's done in angular and not only angular now they're going angular too so they're staying up to date with you know really solid web trends that happen to be exactly where i'm going as a developer as well so it's great to be able to use a platform that is keeping up with with trends properly
1: yeah very cool so just to step back a little bit through the story you described there of Umbraco uh, sort of being introduced and then becoming the, the preferred CMS in your agency, I don't want to do a sort of a big analysis of comparisons with different platforms because, as you say, one of the things that's really important, I th- believe, in the industry is the right tool for the right job. But within your agency, as, as Umbraco has become, how much of that decision or that uh, process do you think was purely technology? Like you said, you had .NET developers, and Umbraco was uh, stronger and uh, more forward-thinking than some of the other equivalents in .NET, versus the other parts of the business, like client-facing, more client-facing stuff, and business and the sales, and even the on advertising and, and the other parts of the agency.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, and that really, that boils down mainly to the back office of Umbraco. It really is intuitive. Uh, It's quite simple for us to hand over our site uh, that we built over to the client. It really is simple to show them how to use uh, the back office. And we can build just about any tool that we need to on Umbraco and show them how to run an infinitely powerful site boiled down to really simple concepts you know, in the content management portion of it, so that really is as simple as it boils down to. To us, we're able to build complex things and give them an admin interface that is, you know, takes zero thought uh,
1: to use. That thought process or the development process for creating—I mean, it can be easy to make things complicated as well. So, so you must put a little bit of thought into the back office how things are structured. If you do any custom, you know, configurations in the back in the back office. Like there must be quite, if that's an important part of the service, then there must be some thought process that goes into that as well as the writing of the code.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's going to be with any CMS, right? You're going to have to figure out what are the goals of that content management system and, and how have they built you know, their API in order to allow you to, to build complex things and manage that easily. And honestly, the way that Umbraco has gone about it it just clicks with us and allows us to think about the problem in a client centric fashion and build them a UI that is that is easy to use and that's going to be again it's inherent to all CMSs you know how how can you manage this content what kind of controls do they give you in the back end to do that and i think they just they they really just nailed it
1: honestly so what about the downsides or the challenges
0: yeah so for us in our agency there's not there's not a lot of challenges uh, mainly because the staff that we have this is this is second nature to us and the people that we hire as far as developers go this is easy for them to pick up and client wise you know if you have to train them on any CMS you're going to have the same onboarding process to it so so honestly as far as the agency goes there's not a ton of downside but where I do have some downfalls to it is one that I mentioned already with, with kind of the the OS that you have to be coding on. So I've got to be in Windows to be able to do this properly. For me, that kind of sucks. I think I'm the only developer in our office that, that thinks that way. Everyone else is pretty happy with their Windows boxes. But another area that, you know, we mentioned .NET Core. And, and so I see this coming down the pipeline of when I personally start using this outside of our office, I know very well that it is going to be a lot harder to find a .NET developer say to either work on this with me or somebody who inherits it down the road. It's really easy to go out and find a PHP developer, whether or not they're good at what they do, you'll be able to find somebody to hop in there easily and, and you know edit something if they need to. But that is one of the challenges with Umbraco because it is on the .NET framework. Those developers just aren't as easy to come by, at least in my neck of the woods.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's really two really interesting points there. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but paraphrasing what you said slightly, that one of the reasons that it's a really powerful driver, or, or like you say, there's not many downsides for the agency, is because you have a a strong development team as in a group, a group of good developers who understand the .NET framework and and therefore and can use UmbraCo without causing further issues.
0: Yes. Yep. Th- that. That's exactly right.
1: Yep. And the second part you said there that the challenge that comes from that is recruiting and finding and keeping those good people.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and like I said, for us it's it's not too much of a problem because we've been hiring, you know, this level of developer for well over a decade. So like for us, it's not a problem because we felt that forever, right? We need to bring in dot dot net developers that are, you know, of a higher caliber. But I could absolutely see that being being an issue for uh, again, myself as a freelancer, and and even other agencies that that aren't you know well versed in in this area of development. Absolutely.
1: Okay, so just to very slightly change tack. So, what are the, Umbraco obviously has a has a stronger presence in Europe, I think, than it does in North America. Is is that a positive? Is that a negative? Or is it completely irrelevant to the agency an agency like yourselves who use Umbraco?
0: I, I certainly don't want to paint it as a negative, but it, it is interesting because. Uh, Yeah, I'm, you know, from the US and, you know, I'm not used because I'm just stuck in my own world over here in the States. Uh, It is different uh, having a platform that that is not right, like that came out of Redmond or came out of, uh, you know, San Francisco. It is different not having that home base core group of developers, you know, in the same country. It's really not a problem for me. The only thing that kind of sucked at first is there wasn't really a conference in the US. But now they have US West Fest that goes on. And that's awesome. I love that. haven't actually been to it yet, but I watch all the videos and I aspire to get out there. I was
1: literally just about to ask if you've made it out yet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. I really want to. I think the last one was in Orlando, or at least one of them was recently. Definitely want to get out there. But it's certainly not a negative. You know, I question sometimes why more people haven't heard of Umbraco. And I think that is mostly a just .NET thing, you know, content management systems in the .NET world aren't near as relevant as they are, say, in the PHP world, where like WordPress, geez, runs like, I don't know, half the PHP sites out there. Like it is a little bit different in the .NET world. I think you've got SharePoint and some other things. So I I don't know if that's a, uh, if it's, if it's a .NET thing, or if it's a, you know, this was created in a different country thing. I don't know. I'm certainly not about to paint it as a negative. I I actually find it kind of refreshing, personally. And
1: do you find that, as you mentioned there, people, you know, Umbraco maybe being a tool or a framework that people haven't heard of very much, do you find that your agency has clients that maybe come saying, oh, you're the Umbraco guys, we want to use you, or is it a case of telling and teaching people about Umbraco because they haven't heard of it before?
0: Uh, The latter. Obviously, we would love to be in a position where where people heard that, you know, hey, you guys do great ambracco work and I know there's avenues we could take to ensure that that happens a bit more. We haven't. But but it is definitely a thing where where we are explaining it to our clients, but at the same time, I wouldn't expect our clients to know these matters either.
1: And so you don't think or you haven't seen or experienced that as a problem like clients coming saying, "Oh, we don't know what that thing is we and so we're a little you know, we're uncomfortable about it in any way.
0: Nope, uh, that that really hasn't been a problem for us. Our client base is is pretty strong. We're, we're definitely trusted, so it is. I find it actually pretty easy for us to make the recommendation, and I don't ever really feel like it's we're trying to sell it hard. It pretty easily is met with a resounding okay. We trust you
1: and that's because of that trust in the relationship and the other skill sets that you have presumably which is why you're being why you're working with them and they're less worried about the how it happens right yep yep so you said in passing there that you could i think what you were saying is you could sort of promote yourselves as Umbraco or promote Umbraco more is that what you were saying that sort of you could use that or market yourselves as as experts in that Umbraco a bit more or do you mean as the community grows
0: uh yeah so i i know like i've I've personally toyed around the ideas of, you know, uh, going after like some of the uh, Bracco, um like the what is it, the Gold Partnership, or like the partnership programs, or, or the certified developer programs they have uh, to get your business listed on there, on their site. Now, that's something that, that we may be interested in down the road, and uh, getting more involved in the community is is also something. I know if we put ourselves out there a lot more, I, I think we could potentially gain more more clients being seen as umbraco experts it's not something we've done just yet
1: because the agency is, is um, i'm maybe um making assumptions here but what you said and what the science the, they're uh, looking at the Alchemedia website but it's not like it's the technology is the driver it's the it's the skill sets that you know and the and the broader advertising and and, and digital marketing I'm, I'm trying to pick a term that doesn't sound <laughs> like if are putting into a box but that's what the agency focus on rather than the technology right
0: yeah that that is uh, 100% accurate, yes.
1: Cool. Okay, so if you don't mind, we'll just quickly talk a little bit about the agency. So you said it's be, you've been around for 10 years?
0: Uh, we've actually been around, so <laughs> it's a long story. Uh, the Alchemedia project itself has been around for about, I believe, 12 to 14 years, some, something about that. I mean, about 12 years, I believe. We're actually part of, of a larger network of agencies uh, that has been around for about 30 years, so...
1: Very cool. And so, within the agency, the development team—you said it—obviously, uh, it's a team rather than one or two people. So, how big a how big a part of the agency is this web development side of things?
0: Uh, quite a bit. I mean, I would say it makes up uh, <laughs> these business numbers. Certainly, don't quote me on, but uh, I would say it makes up a good, uh, you know, thirty percent to forty percent of of the work that we do. And as far as our development Team goes. Uh, we're we're pretty small. We're about four to five developers, and we we service you know any and all digital efforts that that come across. Uh, not all of our clients have that. Sometimes it's just kind of uh, either traditional print or video work, but a lot of them do have digital efforts, both commercially and even just internal tooling uh, that will help
1: build for them. But Umbraco. So you said Umbraco was your preferred, but there are other frameworks that you, you know that development team use is it all.net is there some other open source projects involved as well
0: I would say about 75% of our work is.net uh, like I said earlier I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of of PHP as well uh, I really do like the Laravel framework we've got a couple of tools uh, built with that we're pretty uh, we also like uh, JavaScript so we like doing some node work and a uh, pretty big fan of the sales.js framework But most, I would say, most of our work is is custom, Um, so uh, mainly all on .NET MVC, and then any content management system driven work that we do is exclusively in Umbraco, and we've even we've started porting over some of our WordPress projects to Umbraco now.
1: Oh, no, that's interesting, and and is maybe a good little segue to uh, the last sort of area of things I'd like to touch on, and that's the ongoing. I guess support and maintenance, but also the on, ongoing success of the project or of the website. Does your agency work? Would you say primarily on a project basis, or is there a lot of long-term clients? Or you know, how is that in terms of the business? How's that structured?
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll, most of our projects actually are long-term projects. We certainly do have the the type that the project, cut it, release it. Those do exist. And as far as our Umbraco projects go, I don't think those are any of them. So. Our Umbraco ones that we have uh, have actually existed for a while and we continue to do them. And as far as uh, (laughs) this is a real, you're actually right, this is a good topic, updating, keeping them up to date and and continuing to build on them. So those are really good topics. And actually that's one of the reasons why we're phasing out some of our WordPress sites into Umbraco ones because the pain in updating a WordPress site uh, especially if it's sat you know for a couple of years, just because it's sat for a couple of years doesn't mean you know the project is out of our hands. We're definitely maintaining it and should something come up in the future, you know we will we will resume work on it again. But uh, the upkeep on some of the entities that we had in WordPress, just became too much of a burden to deal with (laughs) and we were so much more comfortable even if again even if it sat for a year or two where nothing's happening on it we noticed that our umbraca ones they sit just fine there's no problems with them and there's a couple that we routinely do work on and when i say routinely i mean about every week we're making updates on uh, new features content updates and there are a couple in specific that we've followed a pretty uh, regimented uh, update routine as far as keeping up with Umbraco Core on it, and it, you know that that's going to uh, vary from release to release. But for the most part, release notes are really good about giving you an idea of what kind of effort it's going to be to update it. And for the most part, I can say that it has been so much better to worry about updating Umbraco Core in a project versus having a you know another CMS that has an infinite amount of plugins that you have to worry about, you know, being kept up with, with the core and where it's at. It just really has been a lot easier to deal with updating and Bracco sites.
1: So, do you have a, a way you structure that? You, you said in some cases you have projects that you're working on very regularly, and that you're you have a structured process for keeping the core updated and the and the platform updated. Is there a structured way? I mean, a process. I'm thinking in terms of process and the way that's packaged for the client. Is that done bespoke? You know, is that organized bespoke per client, or is there a? You know, do you have a, a sort of a a retainer package or anything along those lines?
0: Yeah, we've got a general, for most of our clients and, and specifically the ones that I'm thinking of right now, we do have a, a kind of a maintenance and operations you know, line item that that is paid quarterly. And this so far always falls under that. Uh, so it just falls under general maintenance of it. And how does that
1: translate then to the development team or the operations team? I'm thinking about in terms of for example scheduling updates or what I, what I call reactive support so you can schedule in things and it fit it in around projects and so on but do you then have any challenges with requests coming in you know in a reactive way either whether it's critical or not or whether you just need to you know handle all the uh, the support
0: yep yeah 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 so we try and do, or at least this is more of a recent uh, thing that we're we're implementing where we do a quarterly update uh, of Umbraco core. And now that we have that slated, that makes it a little bit easier to to know this is when we're doing the update. So don't schedule any big features around this time. And as we all know, problems come up. And so, you know, that's, that's just going to be a given. Luckily, it hasn't been too much of a burden. But yeah, th- things happen. You know, we branch out our updates that we're doing and if there's any emergency fixes that needed that are needed in there we'll you know hot fix those push it up real quick roll it back into our you know our upgrade branch but sticking to a quarterly update routine definitely helps mitigate any sort of huge issues with that.
1: Very cool. Well, is there anything else that you would either positive or negative or challenges or advice or comments or anything else you think might be useful to include?
0: We kind of talked about the, the .NET Core stuff earlier. That that's I'm super excited for this to come to, to .NET Core. I mean, I'm not adding a whole lot there by saying that, but but that is something I'm really looking forward to uh one other thing that that you know i i am curious to see gets talked about on this show more and i'm really excited to soak in the season I've, I've started listening to the first season and uh, i'm excited for this one w- one thing that i love is a plug called nested content and from what i understand that is getting rolled into umbraco core and we've actually done and I'm sure we're not alone on this, but we've actually created really advanced component-driven design with using this plugin. It's it's one of our kind of go-to tools. Before that, it was Archetype, and, and now we're using the, the nested content. And it's allowed us to, to create all these design components. That both our designers and the client can easily go and either create a brand new page with you know any number of these design components that they want to, but also our designers, it's allowed them on some of our long running projects to be able to mock up new campaign pages or just any page they want using these components as opposed to opening Photoshop and having to you know draft this out again. It saves them you know, 10 times the amount of time to be able to just hop into Umbraco and drop all these components on there. I think that's that's something really cool. It's kind of a groove we've found with Umbraco. And uh, if people aren't doing that uh, with that plugin, they should definitely check it out.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And actually, I think there's a broader thing there about creating a framework or system or whatever to like with any good coding system so that you're not wasting time on the low-level things. Is that something you have like shared between different projects or that, you know, have you got like a library or something that's grown up over time or a process that's grown up over time?
0: As developers, we would love to share these across projects, but we work in a creative agency where the designers are not going to allow that to happen as much as we preach it, (laughs) reusing these things. So no, we we don't share these across projects. We share some of the underlying uh, architecture across the projects, but the actual like... Uh, you know markup and actual styling never transfers to another project i think that's
1: an an issue or not an issue but i think that's something that is very true of a lot of creative agencies where the design and the creative is really the driver right so you can't do you can't feel like you're doing boilerplate or same same for different clients
0: (laughs) yep that's that's what i hear every day from the designers yep but then, as
1: you say, the challenge from the development side is, oh, yeah, but there's so much we could make more efficient here. So it's an interesting
0: balance. Exactly. Tail as old as time. <laughs> Sorry, that does remind me
1: of another question I meant to ask. And if there are any sort of interesting use cases, if one of the things that everybody's asking for is use cases or examples, exactly like you just said, of ways that you're using Umbraco. And if there's anything else or interesting examples or stories you could share that other people might find interesting or inspiring
0: honestly that in that's the only one I have and and I've been the reason I laugh at it is I've been wanting to apply to speak at the US West conference and every time I'm like what can I bring to the table <laughs> I don't, you know I don't know I don't know what we're doing that's unique and and I think that's a thing that will continue to grow with Umbraco. we'll see you know more and more what people can bring to the table that, that others aren't doing. Uh, but that is one of the only ones I do have,
1: unfortunately. Well, having that experience myself, and if, if you go and speak, I would recommend just doing almost a show-and-tell thing as much as you can because that framework and the flexibility is something in Braco does really well. But I don't think a lot of people implement it or implement it very well. So if you, I think that would be something quite valuable for other people to hear about if you ever get to speak about that. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. Thanks, Mike. I really appreciate that and your time today.
0: Yeah, Barry, uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to chat.
1: Oh, Well, actually, one thing that I always leave uh, everybody a chance to, if they want to share where they can find out a little bit more about you and your agency.
0: Yeah, on Twitter, uh, I am at Mike Bates, and the only catch there is it's Mike with a Y, M-Y-K-E-B-A-T-E-S, and The Alchemedia Project. It's not the easiest thing in the world to to spell. It's like alchemy, so com. And uh, those are the two best places to find out about me and the agency.
1: You can connect with Mike on Twitter at Mike Bates. That's Mike with a Y. And you can check out the agency at thealchamediaproject.com. Both links are in the show notes. I really want to thank both Mike and Blake for joining me on the show. It's a real honour to be able to share their stories and their insights.